grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text today is from Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Dear friends of Christ, nothing perplexes mankind more than the problem of pain. And as we deal with pain, everybody deals with it in a different way, but when we see other people suffering, when there is human suffering, and the human suffering is great, hearts are wrenched. And it doesn't matter where you are around the world. It doesn't matter what nation you're from, or what language you speak, or the color of your skin. Human suffering, it is intense. It's heart-wrenching to watch in the wake of a natural disaster. I guarantee it'll wrench your heart if you go to a children's hospital and you walk up and down the corridors and you see the children there, and just little children, um, and I mean infant, little kids, five, six, seven, nine, teenagers, and they don't have any hair, and some of them are going to die. And you see the suffering, not just of the child, but you see the suffering of the doctors, and you see the suffering of the nurses, and especially the parents. And of course, you want to watch people come to the, to the aid of somebody, just say a child needs help, and see how many people will rush to raise money for that child. But children aren't the only ones who suffer. Of course, as adults, we suffer too. And how many times have you visited maybe a loved one who has lost somebody, and you know they're hurting, and the grief, deep grief that they have, and you just want to hug them, you just want to hold them, and, and take some of that pain that they're feeling away that it might absorb into your body, but the pain won't go away. The pain of death is so intense, and if you've dealt with it, you know it's so acute. Human suffering, human death, human pain, and we all agree we don't like it. So what's the purpose? What purpose does suffering serve? Who benefits? Is there any advantage to the adversity? Well, as we think about this, let's consider our theme, the purpose of pain. In our text this morning in Hebrews, we hear about Jesus' loud cries and tears. We don't think about Jesus crying much, especially when it had to do with his suffering and his torment. You know, men don't cry. Jesus did. He cried for the earth. He cried for the fallen world. He cried for the people that were rejecting him. He cried for the burden that he bared to be the Savior of the world. And he talks about his adversity and how challenging and difficult it was, struggling with the problem of pain. Specifically in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he prayed, Dear Lord, let this cup of wrath pass from me. He wasn't concerned about being nailed to the cross. That would happen. His great burden that he bore was paying for the sin of the world, the spiritual torment of being rejected by his heavenly Father, by enduring suffering of eternal hell for you, and by bearing my eternal hell for me, and the eternal hell for sinners all around the world. He paid for everybody's sin. I can't even imagine what kind of cross that would be. Jesus couldn't either, but he didn't want to face it. And so he prayed. And sometimes we don't think about that. We know that Jesus is God. We worship him as God. But seldom do we think of him as, as true man. 
and then how much that true man had to suffer in order to set us free from our suffering. How much he had to suffer in order to set us free from our curse and our dilemma of sin. How much he had to suffer. And Jesus, is, as a human, as human as human can be, struggled with the problem of pain. And he didn't want to die. And he didn't want to suffer. What benefit is there in pain and suffering? Jesus knew. He says, if I suffer and die, then everybody who believes in me will have life, eternal life. John recorded it this way in our gospel text. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, for him to be crucified and resurrected. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a single seed. But if it dies, it will produce many seeds. And so Jesus says, I am that one seed to die. And then as I'm planted in the ground, many will come forth, many will rise up. Like a farmer plants seeds in the field, and that one seed produces many seeds, so also Jesus Christ would suffer that we might live. And so he set his heart to suffering. He set his heart to pain for you and and to die for you and for me. Our Lord learned, learned much about adversity that night. He learned much about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a human, to bear that burden. He was the sole sacrifice for sin. No other sacrifice would bring us life. He was the only seed that would be planted The only seed that could produce a crop, the only seed that would bear fruit. And we are the seeds that live because of his suffering and because of his pain and death. Our Lord Lord cried loud tears in pain. Have those cries of loud tears in suffering ever been part of your life? Has life ever become so unbearable that there was nothing left to do except just cry? We've all been there. Maybe you haven't shed tears. Maybe maybe you were so stone cold hurt that the tears wouldn't even come. But life was empty and life was meaningless and you felt the pain and the torture of life just existing and you felt like screaming. Maybe you know what it's like to be in a world where we can't avoid pain. We can't escape the crisis. We can't escape the burdens, the trials, and the challenges. And we read about suffering throughout the Bible. The people of God, the people of faith have always suffered. You remember Joseph. His brothers rejected him, sold him into slavery because he had a coat of many colors and they were jealous. And he had to deal, a young boy at 16 years old. Why would God let a 16-year-old boy be sold into slavery and leave his family? And then, he's in, then he serves as a, as a slave to Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife tries to sleep with him and he runs away. And she says, he tried to rape me. And so Potiphar throws him into prison. And so now he's been rejected by his family, thrown into slavery rejected by his master and thrown into prison and when you were in prison and you're an Egyptian 
In Egypt, you never got out unless there was somebody on the outside to get you out. It was a life sentence. And with all that suffering, Joseph continued to cling to his promises in God. He turned to God. We read about Samson. That movie just was out if you didn't see it. Samson had two wives. The first wife was a Canaanite woman. And Canaan didn't like that she had married Samson, so they captured her and they burned her to death. His second wife betrayed him for money. And then they cut his hair, they put him in prison, they gouged his eyes out. They burned his eyes out, actually. And then he spent the rest of his life in slavery. A lot of suffering, a lot of pain. Mary and Martha, in their distress, when they lost Lazarus, they lost their brother, and this was Jesus' best friend, and, and the best friend, Mary and Martha, and yet they were grieving. And then we read about the lame and the blind. And of course, in those days, the lame and the blind, they lived their life that way. And the only way they could make a living was to beg. And so you had the suffering and poverty before Jesus healed them. And, of course, then we have the life of Jesus, his suffering and his death. These are just a few examples of the many, many types of suffering that we find in the Bible, in the pages of Scripture, all kinds of suffering, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, you name it. And the legacy of that suffering continues with God's people to this day. And it won't end until the gates of heaven are opened and life on this earth is ended. And so we know disappointment. We know failure and grief and how difficult it must be for God to look down and watch us. A God who loves His people to watch them in the broken world. Watch us as we struggle with pain. Watch us as we suffer and attempt to cope with this harsh world. And that's why God sent Jesus. That's why God sent His Son to ultimately free us from this pain, to ultimately free us from this world that is cursed, to ultimately free us from eternal torment. He learned obedience, our text says, from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation. He suffered to give life. Our hope for today lies in this Jesus. Our hope for today lies in the promises that he gives us, Peter Fleming tells a story about a young boy who was in an accident. He'd been paralyzed. And, of course, then it was time for him to go through rehabilitation. He had to learn how to walk step by step. And as he took his first step, the therapist said, you've got to work this out on your own. And so the boy tried to walk, but instead he fell flat in his face, and, and nobody moved. Nobody stepped in to help him get up. And so he struggled to get up, and then he fell again. And he got up, and he fell, and he got up, and he fell, and he got up, and he fell. Pain and agony, defeat after defeat. And finally the boy walked. Through pain came victory. And that's what Jesus has done for us. Through his pain, through his suffering, through his death comes our victory. Comes our promise of life for what Jesus has done for us how he endured the wrath of God, how he overcame the curse of sin, how he was punished for us, for our sake, 
agony, pain, loud crying and tears, and three days later, victory. Was his suffering worth it? Was his suffering worth it for you? And you say, of course it was. And God sees how his holy son came to shatter the death, the reality of death forever. To change the perspective of suffering on this earth to a hope. To a promise And our Heavenly Father now knows you know that promise and He hears your pleas and your cries when you call out to Him from the depths of your heart, from the depths of your your soul. Dear Lord, have mercy upon me. And He gives you mercy and He freely pardons you on behalf of His Son, Jesus Christ. And He loves you. God promised through His prophet Jeremiah, I will forgive their wickedness and I'll remember their sins no more. And so we are forgiven. And so we have life through pain, through suffering, through agony, and through death. We have life. And that's all fine and good. But still, what's the purpose of pain? What's the purpose of your pain and mine? Again, we look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And when he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup of pain and suffering and death pass by me. Nevertheless, don't let my will be done, but your will be done. The prospect of pain and suffering and torment and death turned Jesus to his heavenly Father. Made him cling to his heavenly Father, just like you have to cling to your heavenly Father, and just like I have to cling to my heavenly Father. It turned Jesus to the only source of help. So what's the purpose of pain? To turn us to God. If in this life we never experience pain, if in this life we never experience the curse of sin, if in this life we never experienced any burdens or trials, we would never turn to God, ever. We would never cry out, Lord, save me, a broken sinner. We would never seek His mercy. We would never seek His grace. Why should I? Life is good. It's so good right now. I don't need a different life. I don't need a Savior. I like the life I have. And we would be so spoiled rotten, we'd be lost forever. So pain solves a problem of the sinner's heart. (laughs) Pain turns us to God. C.S. Lewis wrote a book on the problem of pain. That's the title of the book, Problem of Pain. It's a good read. And he wrote, No one surrenders to God when all is well. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. It shatters the illusion that all is well. Pain causes us to see the curse of sin. It enables us to see things aren't right in this world. When teenagers shoot other teenagers, things are broken. Pain and suffering prevents us from holding on to this world and clinging to this world and say, this is what we've got. This makes us satisfied. But instead to cling to the world that is to come, to eternal life in heaven. And it opens our eyes 
pain does, to see our need for a Savior. And when our eyes are open, that's where our Savior steps in. And He steps in then to save us and love us. And through His pain, through His suffering, through His death, we're saved. Through His pain, suffering, and death, we have life. And that promise. Could it be that in your suffering, God is trying to get you to focus off of this world and focus on the cross? Focus on a Savior who suffered for you? that you may have life. To trust in His promises. From our perspective, life can be hard. From our perspective, it seems sometimes God doesn't care and life can appear dark and dim and somber and uncertain. But there's another perspective. There's God's perspective. And from God's perspective, He uses pain and He uses suffering in your life and mine to warn us of the eternal suffering to come, of the eternal death to come, of the eternal pain to come. And He wants to free us from that eternal suffering, pain, and death to turn us away from our sin so that suffering, the law of God, would move us to repentance. And so when we hear the suffering and we hear the law of God, we cry out, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Lord sends Jesus to pick us up and save us. Even Jesus learned that. He learned obedience from what he suffered. And what a lesson for us. To learn obedience from suffering... But through his suffering and death comes life. Listen again to our text. Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, once he suffered and died and rose, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.